0: Hey, welcome, Life Church. It's uh, really great to be with you again, uh, online. And thank you to those who have called Life Church their home for a long time. Thank you for being with us, and those who are new uh, to Life Church. Thank you uh, for being with us during this uh, kind of unusual time. Thanks for joining us. Uh, do want to encourage you? If you are new, uh, you can click the, link, the links that we have, and uh, that'll take you to um, to our website. An opportunity for you to fill out a card. We'd love to get to know you uh, just a little bit better uh on this day which is Memorial Day we wanted to take a couple of moments here and acknowledge those who have loved ones who have uh, served in the service so faithfully and have given their lives um, We have the joy of being able to worship we have the joy of the freedoms that we have within our nation uh, because of the uh, because of the the price that was paid by many within our uh, armed services. want to take a moment and pray for these families and ask God's blessing upon them during this time as we remember their sacrifice uh, for what they have given so that we're able to uh, celebrate together the life that we live here in the United States. So Father we thank you for this day. God I'm so grateful for those uh, family members of ours at Life Church and many others uh, across uh, Utah, the Salt Lake Valley, Tooele Valleys whose uh, loved ones have served in the military. God I pray for your blessing upon them today. And uh, God, is uh, these on Memorial Day that we remember who have given their lives in service of our country, Lord, be with these families. Uh, honor the memory of those who've given their lives um, for the freedoms that we're able to celebrate in this great nation. And so God, pray your blessing upon your people, upon uh, these families. Draw them close to you. And uh, God, we're just so appreciative as a congregation and as a nation for the sacrifice that they have endured. Lord, we love you this day and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, in the series so far, we have uh, tackled some difficult topics. At the beginning, we talked about um, uh, what it is, uh, suffering. Why doesn't God stop suffering? And we learned about this God who has uncontrolling love for his creation then we discovered that the Bible is trustworthy. That was a few weeks ago. We, we walked through just the, uh, the nuances of the Bible and uh, had, this, had this opportunity to find out that the Bible is absolutely a book that is God's words to us and we can trust it. And then uh, last week, I'm uh, grateful for uh, Pastor Eric who talked about the reality of Jesus being the only truth that gets us to the Father. Christianity is exclusive in its scope but inclusive in the heart that it has through all, for all through what Jesus did on the cross. And so today we're gonna to be tackling another pretty big topic and another question that I think uh, kind of rattles through our hearts uh, in many different ways. And it doesn't matter, th- this question especially doesn't matter if you're a Christian or not a Christian. Um, what is your understanding of eternity? Is there, uh, is there life after death? And that's our big question for today, is there life after death? And closely on the heels of this question, kind of a follow-up is this, is this life all that there is? Uh, So there's many ways to answer this question. And this morning, what I want to do is focus on just a couple of areas. Um, First of all, in the wider world around us, um, there are varying beliefs about the afterlife. And um, even in the medical field and the sciences, this has been a, a growing a field of study as uh, you know, many scientists and, and uh, med- those in the medical profession, especially those in intensive care units, um, uh, understand the reality that there's more to this life than just this life. Um, th- there are stories of people who've experienced something beyond clinical death, seeing themselves on the table seeing and grasping details that otherwise they wouldn't know about, you know, particular people that are in different rooms uh, near where they are, the proverbial light at the end of the tunnel. And studies have been done that seem to indicate that there's a consciousness that's not well understood that's beyond this consciousness that right now we all experience. Um, and for some who've experienced this, it's been, uh, been a profound impact on their life. I was watching a story by CBS, uh, by the CBS network. Um, and uh, in there, they, they talked about this idea of the reality of a loving power, a, a sense of deep compassion and then when they awoke from this kind of after-death state, uh, when they were brought back to life, they it profoundly changed their lives. They found themselves becoming more compassionate, more involved with others, and uh, a sense that this life was incredibly important, and they lost the fear of death. So even science recognizes that there's something beyond this life that we experience now. Uh, there's just no way, according to science, to know what that is. And That's the first part. Uh, the second part is uh, world religions. Um, obviously, they have much to say about life after death, and as a quick survey, and I'm not going to do justice to, uh, to any one of these particular areas, but just as a broad sense, and I know there's a lot of nuance to, to beliefs, but in a broad sense, for Buddhism, there's a, a state of nothingness that's desired where there, there's a state of emptiness and, and complete loss in essence, but that complete sense of loss or Nirvana is what is being sought. And so that's one uh, one way to look at the afterlife. Hinduism embraces the idea of reincarnation that your life now is lived and then depending on your actions during this life, you are brought back in a different state, a different kind of life in the next one. Uh, in uh, Muslim or Islam, um, you have paradise or hell. Those are the two choices. Judaism, um, there's an openness based on behavior, but not belief. So in other words, it's kind of like a a universalism of sorts where uh, the behavior is what matters. It's not necessarily the belief that matters. Um, There's also, uh, for those, that that there are some who believe in nothing, that that nothing happens after you die, that, that this annihilationism is kind of there that once you die that's it that this life is all there is another idea is universalism that uh everyone gets to the good place everyone gets to heaven everyone gets to experience that state of bliss um and so it doesn't matter what you believe doesn't matter how you live that everyone eventually gets there and then we have christianity and within Christianity, there, is, uh, there are a lot of nuances, a lot of different ways to look at um, how different, uh, different aspects of Christianity look at eternity. But broadly speaking, Orthodox Christianity embraces this idea of heaven or hell. But there are two choices. So the question that we can further ask in all of this is, which view is the right view? Um, there's a commonality to many of the above views. Most of them relate behavior and deeds to make the determination of the final state. There's the sense of earning one's way into heaven or into favor with God. Um, or, again, there's nothing at all uh, after, uh, after we die. But as we found out last week, Christianity is remarkably different. It's really not about what we do to earn our way to heaven. It's about what Jesus has done. Let me say that again. It's not really about what we uh, do to earn our way to heaven. It's about what Jesus has done for us. So think about this. God, who exists in perfection and creates creation out of love, reveals himself through his own physical incarnation in the world that he created. This is Jesus. He's providing the way to return to full relationship with him. Without going into too much here, God provides the way to experience himself through faith, through belief. Does this negate our need to do works or to do? Uh, No, it doesn't, but it puts works in their proper place. Works become a reflection of our faith. Works become a reflection of, of what we believe. Works become how we express the life That Jesus lives in us here's what Paul says Ephesians chapter 2 verse 8 through 10 you are saved by God's grace because of your faith this salvation is God's gift it's not something you possessed it's not something you did that you can be proud of instead we are God's accomplishment created in Christ Jesus to do good things God planned for these good things to be the way that we live our lives. So we live our lives based on the reality of God's grace that we receive through faith. It's a gift. And so because we know that the Bible is trustworthy, uh, that the revealed story of God is relevant for today, we need to turn to the Bible, right, to find out what does the Bible say about eternity, What does the Bible say about our eternal state and why does this life now matter? And one of the things we do find out in the Bible is that this life matters now, but it doesn't just matter for now, it matters for eternity. The belief that we have, the actions that we do have great impact on eternity, so what does the Bible reveal about this time that is after this life? John chapter four, verse 13 and 14. Uh, Jesus was, uh, uh, was talking with a woman at Jacob's well and they were having a discussion about worship and faith. Um, and this is what Jesus said. Uh, Jesus said, everyone who drinks from this water, which was from Jacob's well, this physical water, is gonna get thirsty again. Hey, we live in Utah. There are times when it is dry (laughs) and nothing is better than that cold drink of water. But we know we're going to get thirsty again. But whoever drinks from the water that I will give him will never get thirsty again. In fact, the water I will give him will become a well of water springing up in him for eternal life. So there's something about our engagement with Jesus and our belief in him that radically impacts our life and reveals that Jesus brings to us and and puts within us eternal life. In John chapter 17 says this, uh, Jesus spoke these things. He looked up to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son so that the son may glorify you since you gave him authority over all flesh so that he may give eternal life to everyone you have given him. And this is eternal life that they may know you, the only true God, and the one you have sent, Jesus Christ. So eternal life is the sense of receiving sustenance from Jesus, something that is outside of ourselves that we desperately need within us, and that's life in Jesus. Another aspect of it is true knowledge of who God is, and that knowledge of God is revealed through his Son, Jesus Christ. It's a knowledge that's applied. It's not just an acknowledgement of existence. We just just don't acknowledge that God exists, uh, but we actually apply that knowledge of who God is and it informs the way that we live our lives. To those who believe, eternal life is experienced after this one. And the guarantee that we have of this eternal life, of this life yet to come, is nothing less than the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. At Easter time, we celebrated that resurrection and um, this resurrection of Christ reveals to us something about the life that we can expect to live. A couple of things real quick and as we read through the Gospels, one of the things you'll find out that after the resurrection is that Jesus' body was physical. He invited Thomas to, to touch the scars in his hands and in his side. And so there, there was a sense that his body was physical and could be touched. He ate food. It talks about him eating breakfast. It's actually a pretty funny scene in the, in the Gospels where they're just watching Jesus intently eat the breakfast. And it's like they're saying nothing, wondering if he's a ghost, but there he is eating food. He was recognized by his followers. He interacted and experienced life as well. And yet, he was not limited by the physical realities of this life. The Bible says that he disappeared from his disciples at a couple of different times. Another time, he appeared in a room and maybe walked right through a wall or right through a door. So something about that physical reality is beyond what we experience today. And so our resurrection and this eternal life that we have waiting for us is something Very similar to and yet radically different than what we experience now. And then Jesus ascended visibly to heaven. uh, But this ascension was not simply to leave the world and say, ha ha, good luck, everybody. But this ascension was to reveal something. John chapter 14, verse 1 says this. He's talking to his disciples. His disciples were uh, kind of in a fearful state. They knew things were changing. He says this. He says, don't be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. My father's house has room to spare. It's a big house, folks. If that weren't the case, would I have told you that I am going to prepare a place for you? When I go to prepare a place for you, I will return and take you to be with me so that where I am, you will be too. Folks, we have this incredible promise that Jesus is coming back for his own and that the eternity that we can experience will be with Jesus for eternity. Then Jesus is speaking a place that is not here, but it is in the presence of the father, but the place is physical as well. So big question. And I get this often as a, as a pastor is what is heaven like simply Heaven is the dwelling place of God, and he invites all of his creation to experience his presence in heaven. Now, when I was a kid, uh, this was my view of heaven. I thought that heaven was sitting around, and there's you know images of this perhaps in the book of Revelation where there's worship happening. And so my idea of a, as a kid was uh, we're going to get to heaven, and our, our primary purpose is going to be to to sit around and to sing old hymns. Now I've got nothing against hymns. In fact, there's some some beautiful hymns, uh, incredible theology, great stuff there. That's 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 wonderful. But to sing hymns for an eternity, not so sure that that's exactly what uh, what heaven uh, would be exciting uh, as a teenager. And so does that mean there's got to be something more? And I believe that there is. Now, the Bible doesn't actually say a whole lot about what's going to happen in heaven. It it reveals the reality of the fact that there is a heaven. There is a, a place where God dwells. Revelation reveals this, and we see bits and pieces of this um, uh, throughout the Word of God. But what I believe, given on what the Bible reveals, and we know that God is not boring, He's not elusive. He's not a heavy taskmaster, but he is a loving Father. And the creation that we will experience in heaven is creation without the limitations of sin and brokenness and hurt and pain and sorrow. And this experience will be far beyond what we could ever think or imagine or even ask. The Bible kind of reveals in 1 Corinthians 13 that we will, be, uh, we will know and we will be known. So there's a sense that uh, there's an expansion of, of who we are and what we will know about. This is the God of love that we're talking about here. He will never disappoint And so folks, we've got to get excited about heaven. We've got to get excited about that place as we believe in in God, we believe in Jesus Christ. He changes our lives from the inside out that we have this promise of heaven. And I love what Job says about creation. Uh, And this is our creation. This is where we live right now. Job 26, 14 says, these are only glimpses of what he does. We only hear a whisper of him. And that's in this beautiful creation that's all around us right now. What's heaven going to be like? So much more. The Bible also reveals a bit more about eternal life. And this is the more difficult part of today. So statistics show, and these might be a little bit dated, but statistics show that 85% of Americans believe that there is something akin to heaven, a state of bliss after death, 85%. Uh, and then, uh, I'm joking about this, but 95% of Americans think that they are going there, <laughs> right? Um, and very few believe that even if something other than heaven is an alternative, uh, that they will experience it. So for tr- traditional Christianity, there's another reality at work that we've got to talk about uh, that is separate from and different from heaven. This other reality is described in the Bible actually more often than heaven. And this is a reality of hell. So if heaven is the place of the presence of God, hell by its nature would be the place without God. So again, we have to turn to the Bible to help us uh, in this. And, uh, and I want to talk about what Jesus speaks about this, uh, this place that we call hell. In one of the parables Jesus teaches, um, there is certainly an, a distinction that we need to address. There's a dividing that takes place between people, the righteous and the wicked, or the righteous and the unrighteous. In Mark chapter 13, uh, verse 37, uh, Jesus had previously uh, told a parable of the the seeds that were planted and the wheat that grew up around them. And then the disciples said, hey, Jesus, we're kind of confused by this. Can you help us? And so Jesus um, explains uh, this parable to them. Mark chapter 13, beginning of verse 37, he answered, the one who plants the good seeds is the son of man. The field is the world. The good seeds are those who belong to the kingdom. The weeds are those who belong to the evil one. The enemy who planted them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the world. The workers are angels, just as weeds are gathered and burned, so it will be at the end of time. The Son of Man will send His angels. They will gather everything in His kingdom that causes people to sin, and everyone who does evil, the angels will throw them into a blazing furnace. People will cry and be in extreme pain there. And the people who have God's approval will shine like the sun in their father's kingdom. As we read that, we recognize the weight of what Jesus is saying. But there's a very real distinction between a place of righteousness and a choice of wickedness. And Peter, one of those disciples who were closest to Jesus... Uh, the one who betrayed Jesus, remember, and yet gave himself after that to Jesus' grace. He writes this in 2 Peter ch- uh, chapter 2. Since the Lord did all of this, and uh, this was rescuing Noah and rescuing Lot and uh, helping Abraham in, in the storyline. Since the Lord did all this, he knows how to rescue godly people when they are tested. How many of you have been tested recently? <laughs> right, Everything we've been going through. So he knows how to rescue us. He also knows how to hold immoral people for punishment on the day of judgment. This is especially true of those who follow their corrupt nature along the path of impure desires and who despise the Lord's authority. The God of justice will do right. Hell is the place where God is not. It's a place of separation, a place of isolation. It's a place of torment. Evil is an active engagement with that which is not God in the here and now. It's a denial of God and his participation in creation now. Evil corrupts, it disrupts, it destroys, it hurts, it reduces. Evil limits humanity and it breaks the heart of God for his creation. A big question that I think we need to wrestle with in this is this question of, does God send people to hell? Is it his desire to do so? Well, I would definitely say when it comes to, is it is it his desire to do so? No. And I also believe that God does not send people to hell. C.S. Lewis writes this, says, hell is the greatest monument to human freedom. As Romans 1 says, God gave them up to their desires. All God does in the end with people is give them what they most want, including freedom from himself. What could be more fair than that? C.S. Lewis says. And then he also writes, there are only two kinds of people. Those who say thy will be done to God and those to whom God says, thy will be done. Evil is a choice. Receiving grace is a choice. And as such, this is that choice that every one of us are responsible for in our lives. Do we choose to follow after the grace that God extended through his son, Jesus Christ? Or do we choose to reject that grace? Um, what will be our eternity? I ask that of myself, my own children, um, every one of you who are watching right now. And I think about those um, who I know that have chosen to separate themselves from God's presence, from those who by their choices reveal that God is nothing to them. And honestly, my heart breaks because I know that there's a reality of heaven, there's a reality of hell. And I, as a pastor, I as a believer in Jesus Christ, I don't wanna see anyone choose uh, other than the grace of God. And you might be watching right now and struggling with this, as as I do, nobody wants to uh, think about an eternity without God. Nobody wants to embrace that. Nobody wants to uh, think that that's a feel good moment. And yet the Bible reveals that it's a reality. And so wherever you are right now, there's a decision that has to be made. Will I receive Jesus Christ into my life? Will I choose to identify with him and and have that grace and forgiveness uh, be my reality that now informs the way that I live my life? So wherever you are, I'm just gonna invite you to pray a very simple prayer with me at this time. Dear Jesus, come into my life and change me. Jesus, I desire to be with you for eternity. Forgive my sins. Set me free from wickedness and unrighteousness and help me to choose you every day of my life. Father, receive me as one of your children. I give you my life willingly. In Jesus' name, amen. I mean, if you did that, and if you are uh, kind of new to this whole Christian thing, and this is the first time you've stepped into this reality, man, I want to welcome you to the family of God. We are so excited for you, and we want to help you in these first steps. And, And on the screen right now, if you can text the word JOURNEY to 74574 we want to walk alongside of you with a series of uh, of simple uh, podcasts that are going to help you uh, take these first steps so that you can be stronger in this new life that christ is building in you so text journey to 74574 we would love to join you on this journey Um, let me pray really quickly over us as we end today and uh, just so grateful for your time with us uh, this morning father you are an incredible god Lord, we know that you are a God of grace and mercy. And so, Lord, um, receive us fallible, broken people. Lord, we are sinful. We recognize that. We know that we are not perfect. But God, we know that you've also chosen life for us. That, God, you desire to draw us to you. And so, Lord, we willingly give ourselves to you. Lord, I pray a blessing upon your people. I ask God that you would show yourself to be faithful to them. Lord, make your face shine upon them. God, lift your countenance toward them and God, bring them peace and grace and wholeness and flourishing and healing. And God, we receive your mercy and your majesty today. Lord, we love you in Jesus' name, amen. Now, I'm sure you might have questions about what you've heard today, and uh, I still have lots of questions, right? Um, I'm going to invite you to join myself and uh, Pastor Eric uh, right after this, um, right after the stream, and uh, then we'll be going live on Facebook and YouTube, and we would love to have you join us. If you've got any questions at all about eternity, about heaven, about hell, we'll do our best to ask or to answer those questions and uh, try to give you some more biblical insight. There's a whole lot more to all of this than what I was able to share in these brief moments. So God bless you guys. Thank you so much and hope to see you in just a couple of moments.